chapter 18 in the Word of God. If you're old school, you brought a Bible with you. Okay, if you're lazy, it's on the screen for you. Okay, God bless you. God bless you. Oh, I forgot my Bible. I left it somewhere. You know, I, I know I know how that goes. Luke chapter 18. I want to talk to you. Any, anybody want to be a world changer? Anybody want to be a world changer? I, I want to be a world changer. I want my life to mean something. I uh, my wife and I were talking about this with our children. We want to impart values into their heart and values into their life. And we want their lives to make a difference, okay? Well, in and through that, I want to talk to you this morning about having a world-changing attitude. A world-changing attitude, okay? So Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, the Bible says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Now I want you to pay attention to something right here right here, okay? We don't want to be the kind of church, the kind the kind of Christ follower, the kind of individual that scorns others, okay? Because we got great confidence in our own righteousness. Amen. We don't want to scorn others around and about us, right? And so it says in verse 10, Jesus begins to speak here in the red letters. It says two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. There it is right there. We had no idea it was coming. I certainly, I, I, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Have you ever said it in a different frame? I'm certainly not like that kid over there. I'm certainly not like that fatherless child who's a mess. I'm certainly not like that person who's having some identity crisis. I'm certainly not like that drug addict. I'm certainly not like that alcoholic. That guy talks to his wife all kind of wrong. I'm certainly not like him, right? It says this. He says, I'm not like them, but I fast twice a week. And I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Do you want to know what God is attracted to? The right spirit. The right attitude. A spirit of humility. Come on, somebody. We were singing that song. God, what? What? tell me what you're attracted to. God, tell me what it is that, that, that you're wanting. I'm going to tell you it's a right spirit. It's a right attitude. It's a, it's a heart of humility. And then it says in verse 14, watch this. God's going to qualify it right here. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you want to be a world changer, you've got to humble yourself. If you want to be a world changer, you've got to have a good attitude. You want to be a world changer, you've got to have a good spirit in and every season. Somebody say a good amen right there. All right? The way that we treat our children, the way that we speak to our wives, the way that we speak to our coworkers, the way we speak to the barista down that, uh, down there at 
um, at, at uh, Starbucks or the local McCafe, okay, whatever it, it is that your flavor is, all right, uh, just picking on Zaley, okay, but in and through that, the way that we talk to people and treat people and speak to them, okay, so point number one, if you're a note taker, and I think I shared this with you before, but there's a special place in heaven for note takers, okay, you get to pick your own mansion, I heard, I can't back it up with scripture, but I, I, anyways, I, it's just something that I heard, okay, Point number one, an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of entitlement. Man, we live in a culture and a day and an age and an hour where everybody's entitled. I deserve this. I deserve health care. I deserve to stay at home and play video games all day and not have a real job. Amen. I deserve for people just to pay my bills and uh, I deserve for people to do these things for me. And so this attitude of the Pharisee, we got to be careful right there because we kind of get this mindset. You know, God, I belong here. God, I, I, I belong here standing in your presence. I belong here being blessed of your favor. I, I, I belong here. I thank God that I'm so much better than the rest of the world. Come on. I'm so overwhelmingly blessed. I'm not steeped in sin like those around and about me. God has chosen me. He's called me. He's destined me for greatness. And, and we, we, we look at that mindset. You're bypassing so many other people. Amen. And we're kind of saying to ourselves that God's bypassing everybody else. He's chosen you, right? Now, to have been kept from such gross sins is undoubtedly a just cause of thankfulness to God. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. There's no greater testimony in the world than to say, I didn't go do those things. I was smarter than the rest of those people. Come on, somebody. I was better than to go out and just say, hey, I've got to do all these things so I can create a testimony that somebody's going to respect. I respect testimonies when people are sincere about them, but the greatest testimonies ever, I didn't go do those things. God has held me in his hands. He's kept me in that space, and I stayed away from all of that, right? And so this devoutly humble, instead of this devoutly humble admiring frame from which which uh, uh, which this should inspire, this Pharisee, he arrogantly severs himself from the rest of the world as quite above them. We in the church, we can't sever ourselves from those in the world. We've got to minister unto them. We've got to go unto them. And then he's looking with this contemptuous look at this poor tax collector. And he thanks God, I don't have to stand afar off like him. God, I get to walk right into your presence because I'm better than him. And my heart is right. And my spirit is right. I don't have to hang my head in guilt. I don't have to beat my chest in shame like him. Listen to me. Sometimes as Christ followers, we can, we can measure our religious merits and we can weigh our moral standards and we can complete them with extreme congratulation. Look at how good I am. And I'm so smart and I'm not done those things against my wife or against my children, against my family. And this spiritual, law-abiding, disciplined, self-sacrificing, even giving over what the law required of him. Watch this. He refuses to see his own sin. And we can walk in and not be justified before God. Listen, if you, if you come to God's house and you worship a little bit and you sing a little bit, but you never justify yourself before God, all you did was spiritual calisthenics. Amen? we got to come in and say, God, I've got some things that are wrong in my heart and wrong in my spirit and wrong in my mind, and I want to make sure that I'm keeping these
these things uh, connected to you. And as a matter of fact, it, it, he seems to have felt like I haven't sinned. Amen. You got to be careful and watch out for people who tell you they don't sin. Amen. This guy refuses to empty himself. He declares, God, I can't, but you can. It's the fundamental and indispensable preparation for the reception of grace, for the reception of salvation, for the reception of forgiveness from God. I, God, I can't, but you can. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm nothing without your presence. I'm nothing without your power. And as we do that, we accept God's sacrifice. We receive God's favor. We allow God to work in and through our hearts, finding and justifying our every wrong. Listen, God desires relationship, not just religion. Amen. He desires a relationship with you. And God desires our obedience, not just our sacrifices. Amen. The attitude of the despised tax collector. He says, I don't belong here, God, but thank you for your love. I don't belong here, God, but thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your passion for people. I want to love on that. I'm not worthy enough to even look up. I'm not righteous enough to even get too close, but I desperately need and I want your love. I want your forgiveness. I want to repent before you, God. This is the right spirit. This is the right attitude. He says, God, be merciful to me, the chief of all sinners. I'm the, I'm the chief of all sinners. And he says, bring me relief from my sin. Exercise grace by your favor. That's what, that's what God wants in us. He wants that Psalm chapter 51 kind of prayer. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's what attracts God. Amen. He says, God, restore me. Give me healing. Come on, somebody. He says, God, I need you. God, forgive me. I don't always live right. I'm not perfect. There are times I'm so selfish, God. So change me and shape my thinking. Rearrange my life. This is good prayers to pray. Come on. Self-righteousness is so dangerous. You know how the devil got kicked out of heaven? Pride. His own pride. I will. Exalt myself above God. I will sit on the throne of God. I will be the man. Come on. Amen. And God said he had to kick him out of heaven because he stepped into a space of self-righteousness. Amen. It causes a person to despise others. Help me preach. It prevents them or her from, uh, him or her from learning or receiving anything from God. I've heard people say that before. Pastor, that was a pretty good sermon. I wish I could have learned something. I've had, you know, uh, ladies, uh, TJ, this has probably happened to you, you know, I've had uh, uh, people in the back of the church, sometimes they're going out and they'll say, man, one of these days you're going to make just a fine little preacher. One of these days. Come on. You kind of feel like in your heart, like, I don't know what I was just doing for 20 minutes in your heart and in your life. Evidently, it wasn't preaching a good sermon. Right? You kind of wear that. But this entitlement. It says that you owe me. Amen. Gratitude says, God, you owe me nothing. Entitlement says, what will you give me? Gratitude says, God, what can I give you? I can't wait to give you my time, my treasure, my talent. I can't wait to serve you, God. Amen. Entitlement says, give that to me now 
where gratitude says, I'm so thankful, God, for what I have now. Amen. I'm so thankful for what I am now. I'm so thankful, God, for what you're doing in me now. And this despised tax collector, he shows us a heart of worship in that God's house should be a place for the broken, not a place to parade the perfect. Somebody say a good amen. Hallelujah. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of hope. This is a house of healing, amen, and this display of a world-changing attitude. Point number two, attitude will determine your altitude in every situation. I've watched amazing leaders, okay, because of their attitude, get stepped over and someone else was chosen all because of their attitude. Huh? I've seen employers say, I want to give this to this person. They work hard and, and they're they're here on time and, and these kinds of things. It's just that their attitude, their attitude needs to go off the big drop. Come on, somebody needs to their attitude needs to just go out, just go out of that space, right? But attitude will make or break your future. It'll make or break your marriage. It'll make or break your relationship with your children. It'll make or break your perspective on life and in life and all through life. It will bless you or curse you. God never promised us ease. He never promised us overabundance. He never promised that hard work would not be a part of our everyday. And he never promised us simple solutions to our every problem, right? But God did promise that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us and he would always be there, that he was in the good times, that he was in the bad times, that we could look to the hill and the mountain from which comes our help. He said that he would be an ever-present help in times of trouble. Hallelujah. He said, I'll be there. I will be there. I'll never walk from you. I'll never leave you. That God, I'll be with you. God said, I'll be with you constantly and continually no matter what you will ever face. God, I will praise you on the mountain. And God, I will praise you when the mountain is in my way. Come on, somebody. I'll praise him. I'll praise him. In the book of Acts chapter 2, I want you to see this in the New Testament this morning. It says all the believers, verse 42, I I don't know if I stated that, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Amen. It said a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Can I just rewind for just a second? It it said they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I've never seen so many hoarders in in the American people. Come on, somebody help me right here. Amen. We got tables, and we got tables for our tables, and other tables to hold the tables. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like we got an RV and a camp. I, I, I'm just telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to complain at myself, okay? I have a gas barbecue grill. I've got a charcoal barbecue grill. I've got a smoker. I've got a flat top griddle. And one of these days, I'm going to get me a pizza oven. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Pastor and TJ showed us how to make pizzas last night, and I, I butchered a, a lot of them. I, I turned one into like a, a calzone, but it wasn't even a good-looking calzone. It was, it was hurting. It was hurting. It was a hurting calzone. Anyways, they sold their property, their possessions. They shared the money with those in need. When was the last time you said, you know what? I, I'm going to sell that, and I'm going to give it away. I'm going to sell that, and I'm going I'm to give some of the proceeds away. It said, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes, for the Lord's, in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Can I pause right here? I know some people who aren't very good at sharing anything, let alone their meals. Come on, somebody. Can I have two French fries? No. Right? I'm one of those people. I, I can complain about I'll buy you your own French fries. Don't you lay a hand on mine in Jesus' name, okay? Then I'll have to lay hands on you, okay? And it won't be good, all right? Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, watch it, each day God added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now watch this. Individually and collectively, they're devoted to what? The Word of God. Individually and collectively, they're devoted to what? To fellowship, to the sharing in meals and to prayer. I, I, I've had people come in and say, well, we're looking for some friends. Then invite some, friend, invite some people over to your house and feed them and bless them. Say, I, I'm looking for friends. I need friends. I need fellowship. Invite me over. I'll be right over. Come on, somebody. Let's spend time together. Let's encourage one another. Let's build each other up in faith, right? And, and it said this, they shared. They, 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 they were individually and collectively devoted to prayer. They worshiped together in unison. Amen. We have to come together in a plan, a strategy that will change culture and society, and that all starts within ourselves. If you want to be a world changer, then start having some world-changing worship. Start having some world-changing prayer that you are invested in individually and collectively. Start having some world-changing meals at your house. Come on, somebody. Invite somebody over and say, come over. Spend some time with me. Amen. Encourage them. We've got to do these things so we can change our culture. We've got to do these things that we can bless people. Ask God to knit our hearts and our minds and our spirits together for his purposes. Amen. Forget the bystanders. Forget the devil. Forget society. Forget those shallow relationships that we're trying to get affirmation from on Facebook and Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Amen. Forget anyone that would try to keep you from worshiping God and worship him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to anyone who would believe. Anyone, hallelujah. Take off the masks and worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. They prayed for each other. 
They prayed for each other. They deeply cared about the well-being of their community and those entering their community. They weren't just praying for those who were in there. They were praying for those who were coming in. Come on, somebody. They were praying. They were saying from the north to the south to the east and the west, God, you call your children home. We're going to see them saved and healed and delivered and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized and ministering and walking in their purposes. Hallelujah. That's our passion for the kingdom of God. They prayed for one another. Listen, listen, listen. Do you work to care for and concern yourself with those around and about you? Or do you work exceedingly fierce to stay away from them? Oh, here comes my neighbor. Oh, I hope he doesn't see me, Jimmy. Oh, hey, Jimmy. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, and he keeps talking. He keeps coming. You know, when, when you see a guy like me coming at you, you, you see, who talks a whole lot, you're like, please don't let him see me in the grocery store. Please, God. Just here to get that one thing for my wife. I know I got a cart full, but just that one thing she sent me here for. You see a guy like me and you run, right? Come on, somebody. You say, hey, I don't want to talk all afternoon. Let Michael do it, right? The next thing that the church does, the people of God, we don't want to just stay away from people. Listen to me. Listen to me really quick. There's a woman who's 60 years, uh, she was just married 60 years with her husband. And her husband passed away. She needs you to call her. She needs you to drop her by some barbecue and a slice of pie. Come on. She needs you to drop in for a cup of coffee. She needs a phone call. She needs an encouragement. Amen. I remember I remember nursing homes when we used to do nursing home ministries. Where are the leaders at? Where are people at who say, I don't care young or old. I remember as a young person, we would go down the hallway singing songs, jingle bells, jingle bells. Man, people would come out and see what we were doing and say, what are you doing? We're just here to sing for you. Man, they were giving us gifts and cookies and peppermint sticks. Come on, somebody, hot chocolate. We're walking down the, you know, I look like the, I look like the Grinch walking down there, you know, with all of the gifts and the candy and the prizes, right? And they're just wanting some fellowship. Amen. Here's another thing that they did. They shared with joy and generosity. They shared what? They shared their food. Okay? Okay. I, I can get over myself and share. I can. I can. I don't like to, but I can. And I do sometimes. Okay? I'm working on that. But they shared with joy. They shared with generosity. And they shared with sincerity of heart. Take this. I want to bless you with it. Take this. I want to encourage you with it. Amen. You got extra lawnmowers sitting around your house. Get those things running and give them to a young husband who needs to cut his grass. You might need to teach him how to pull the trigger on the thing. Come on, somebody. You might have to teach him how to cut that grass, but we need some leaders who will teach other leaders who will go on and teach other leaders so we can build up the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Just some practical tools here, all right? They continually were thanking God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What turns the heart of God? Thankfulness. Gratefulness. God, I thank you. 
I thank you. This may be the only car I got. I, I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but I had an old beat-up truck that, that uh, uh, Del Vaughn, he, he, was, he was here with me last time. He's like one of our kids, and he gave me this old truck, so it's got a little bit of sentimental value to me. And it got stolen in the state of California, right? They cut off the catalytic converters, and oh, man, when they did, she sounded so bad to the bone. Man, she sounded so cool. But you can't have that kind of loud stuff in California emitting all that smog and stuff, okay? I don't even know what smog is, okay, but it's a thing in California. Anyways, I got the truck back, and I was so blessed to have that old truck, and I, I tease people about that truck, but I'm grateful for that truck. Amen, I'm grateful for it, right? You're, you're, you're thankful. You, the goodwill, it, it talks about the goodwill of all the people. What's goodwill? It's being friendly. It's being thankful. It's being helpful. It's being cooperative, having those cooperative feelings and attitudes. What can I do to serve the mission of the church? What can I do to serve God's cause? And thanking God is an action that brings honor to him, not self. You got to speak it. You got to act it out. You got to declare it. You got to live it with a sincerity about you. A healthy Christian community, a healthy Christian church attracts people to Christ like a moth to a flame, like kids to candy, like a Tyler to a big drop, like a magnet to metal. Come on, somebody. The church's zeal at this time for worship and concern love, it was contagious. Why? Because a healthy church, a healthy loving church will grow in disciplines. It will grow in disciples. It will grow in their numbers. It will grow in their influence. People on the streets talking about Cornerstone Worship Center in Bedford, Indiana, because a healthy, loving church will grow in service to the community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It moves the heart of God. We get out of our four walls and we say, what can I do to serve you? What can I do? I know you might not believe the same way that I believe, but what can I do to serve you? Amen? I know you're wearing an ACDC t-shirt, but what can I do to serve you? Come on. What are you doing to make your church, to make the ministry that God has called you, that God has called you to, the kind of place that will attract others to Christ? Huh? You know one thing I love about Chick-fil-A? Customer service. Amen. I mean, throw me a spicy chicken sandwich too, but I mean, I love their customer service. The other day, though, this lady says to me, and I'm not criticizing her, but I'm just making a statement. Instead of saying, my pleasure, she said, my pleasure. Oh, take her back to the manager. Take her back. Somebody get her. Come on. Amen. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Amen. How we present ourselves. I'm not telling you to be fake. Amen. I'm telling you to be sincere. Amen. It's different, right? We've got to ask the question in and of ourselves, what am I doing or not doing to grow myself, to grow others, to grow the global church? How am I reaching and connecting others for the cause of Christ? We've got to ask ourselves the questions every now and again, what can I do better? How can I do this better? Husbands, you just got to ask your wives. She will help you, okay? 
<laughs> she will help you, all right? But then begin to live out those answers, amen? We can each make excuses or choose to be connected or disconnected, amen? We can each choose what our attitude will reflect, but ultimately, it's the world that suffers. Watch this. It's our families that suffer. It's our pe- When we have the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit, the wrong mindset, it's our peers that suffer. It's people, God's greatest commodity that suffers, and heaven suffers. Amen? Point number three. World changers have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In these verses, we see the history of the truly primitive church. Its first steps, its state of infancy, and the state of its greatest innocence. These Christians kept close to the plans and the purposes of God. They overflowed in respect and reverence and devotion to God and devotion to Christianity. God continues to remind me that he can still do the impossible. Amen? I'm reminded that God spread the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ's sacrifice to a world without cell, without cell phones, cell phones, world without cell phones, newspapers, television, internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email. God did it without speakers. He did it without microphones. He did it without flyers and big drops and concerts and conference and guest cards and electricity, planes or trains or automobiles. God did it through the power of his Holy Spirit. He did it through the power of his word. And at times, as a pastor, I've had to rethink my strategy. I've had to rethink my structure. I've had to rethink my plans and my programming because I wanted to be, I wanted, let's try this, let's try that. Let's do all these things. And God is saying, maybe you should just be led by my spirit because God's greatest asset and gift to the church besides salvation is his Holy Spirit. It's the spirit who will move people. It's the spirit who will speak to their hearts. It draws them in and ministers unto them the right spirit, the right attitude, God's Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Being led by the Spirit of God is God's greatest asset to a marriage. It's God's greatest asset to a career. Let me tell you something. God will bless, huh? He will bless your employer because you're there. And God will do things. He, you, you remember God blessed Potiphar's house all because Joseph was in it. Huh? God will bless it. These Christians were part of this regenerating grace and maybe being led by the Spirit of God and and, and this greatest asset to, to God's mission and it's God's greatest asset to his call for us. Why? Because God refuses to close heaven's mercy. <laughs> She's never closed. You can go to heaven on Sunday. You can't get there at Chick-fil-A, but you can go to heaven on Sunday. Come on. You can get heaven's mercy on Sunday. Praise God. And God refuses to close heaven's grace so that all may come to know him. God so loved the world, John 3, 16. Not that God so hated us. 
Not that God is so displeased with your life. God can't wait to catch you doing something wrong, but that God so loved his son and he chose to trade his perfect existence for our imperfect one. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, that's my last point, I'm almost done. It's Philippians chapter 2, the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just going to read a couple of verses here. Verse 4. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death upon a cross. He lived for that sole purpose. He sacrificed who he was. He sacrificed his life for ours. Looking out for the interests of others is the life of Jesus Christ. So it should be the action and the attitude of a world changer, of a Christ follower. Christ's attitude was of overwhelming, confusing difference to the culture and the society and those religious ones, and the law that of any other king since the beginning of time. He exuded character. He exuded compassion. He poured out forgiveness and humility and servitude and vision. And it is by God's grace, amen, it's by God's great love and Christ's great sacrifice that we have salvation and redemption, amen. And finally, I want you to see this about the church. When the church in Acts chapter 2, right there, what we were talking about, verse 42 through 47, when we get that part right, we get that part right. Watch, watch what will happen here. Then verse 32 happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 33. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Anybody got a Jeep they want to loan me? Anybody got a boat? No, I'm just kidding. It says it wasn't their own. They shared everything they had. And then watch this. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's great blessing was upon them all. God's favor was on all of them. God's spirit on all of them. That same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is coursing through my veins. He's coursing through my life. He's coursing through my home. He's coursing through my career and everything that I do because God's great blessing is upon us Oh, will you stand this morning? Give him a good hand clap of praise in the house this morning. Give him a good, uh, a good hand clap of praise in the house this morning. Pastor, I want you to come. Pastor, I want you to come. I'm done. I've got more notes, but I'm done. Because I believe that right here in this space of unity, that God wants to move and he wants to speak to the heart of this church. He wants to speak to the heart of this house and the heart of his people. And I want your pastor to do that. I love this guy with all my heart. 
I love him with, with all my mind and my spirit. He is a great friend to us, a great encouragement to us. To us, And him and his wife, they have the right spirit. They've got the right attitude. And because of that, God is going to bless you all. You're going to begin testifying powerfully. I can't wait to hear, Pastor Mike, we're blowing out the walls or we're doing double services and triple services because God is going to move in such a powerful way. Will you just raise your hand? I want you to say this. Amen. Say it again. Say amen. Say amen. You know what you just said? Let it happen, Lord. So be it. Say amen. Say amen. Lord, the word that was preached today, the word that was prophesied today, amen in my life, amen on this house, amen on this church, amen on this community, amen on this county, amen on this state. And we say, God, let it be so. Come on. Come on now. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, I just pray a declaration of blessing, God, upon this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to unite hearts. God, begin to unite spirits, Lord, in this place. God, not our own agenda, but your agenda, God. God, we set ourselves in humility, God. And we say, Lord, be in our midst. Lord, you lead. Lord, you guide us. Lord, you take us where you want us to go, and we will follow you, God, wholeheartedly with passion. God, with passion. God, give us passion for souls. God, give us passion for needs. God, let us see needs that we've never saw before. God, let us reach needs that we've never met before. God, and let us, God, let us storm the gates of hell. God, with the power of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Listen to me. That was a powerful word. That was a powerful word for this house today. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you need.